All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in to a Wednesday, December 13th edition of Daily Faceoff Live, streaming live on the DFO YouTube. The show, as always, is brought to you by Batano, the 2023 EGR brand of the year. The game starts now at Batano.ca. I'm Tyler Uramchik, and as always, I am joined by our daily face-off hockey insider, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how's it going on a Wednesday? Oh, it's going. There's a lot happening. This uh, There's a lot to dive into in today's show between the Caps Arena drama, Craig Berube fired in St. Louis, his replacement in Drew Bannister, as well as some changes to the All-Star format and some pretty fun moments off the ice as well. Tremendous preview of uh, of what we got coming up on the show. Is it recency bias or does it feel like there's been more off-ice news this year than in years past? Uh, probably recency bias. It feels like off-ice news is kind of what carries us throughout most of the calendar year. It's a long, grinding season. Almost 1,300 NHL games. Feels like off-ice news is what drives the bus most days. Well, let's get into it then. Last night after their loss, the St. Louis Blues announced that Craig Berube has been relieved of his duties. The coach who came in as an interim head coach and led the Blues to a Stanley Cup is no longer the man behind the bench. A four-game losing streak for the Blues, but they're just one point back of a playoff spot right now. Are you surprised that this run for Berube came to an end when it did? I'm a little bit surprised in the sense that Look, I had a long conversation with Blues GM Doug Armstrong on Frankly Speaking just about exactly one month ago in Toronto, and he acknowledged publicly that he doesn't think this Blues team as currently constituted as a playoff team. And yet here the Blues sat 
one point out of the playoffs just behind the Arizona Coyotes. And yet their coach is now fired. And that part surprises me, maybe in the sense of the timing. But I think what is really clear is that Doug Armstrong was tired of the inconsistency that this team had. I think he was bothered by their play on special teams. Um, you know, you look at their power play here, 31st in the league, their PK 20th. Um, I think he was bothered by how this team played in terms of um, not having a hard edge to it. And I, I'm, I've never really been convinced, and this is going to sound like revisionist history, but you hire Craig Bruby as the interim guy. Your team goes on to win the Stanley Cup. You feel like you have to keep him. And I was never entirely sold that as long as this run has been that Craig Berube was really Doug Armstrong's guy that he wanted in that position for the long term. So um, they have a chance to start fresh here with, with Drew Bannister, and we'll get to that in a second. But certainly interesting in that you never really know when is the right time to move on from someone, let alone someone that helped deliver the first Stanley Cup in franchise history. Yeah, you're right. He kept that interim tag, which was always surprising, through their entire turnaround up until the Stanley Cup, and it wasn't removed until after. So that's an interesting point you make about him potentially being Doug Armstrong's guy. You mentioned Armstrong doesn't view this team as currently constructed as a playoff team. So let's talk about how this group will move forward here. They go with Drew Bannister. They don't go and get a guy, Dean Evison, Jay Woodcroft, whoever, that you would maybe look at and go, oh, that is going to be Doug Armstrong's guy. This feels like a stopgap to me. This feels like something you do to push off a decision of who is going to be your long-term head coach until summertime. Is that an incorrect read by me? No, I, I don't think so. I also think the door is wide open for Drew Bannister to come in and do a nice job and earn the position. Um, he comes at this having basically fulfilled every role possible to get to this position. Uh, he was the head coach in Sault Ste. Marie and then uh, did a couple different tours of duty in the AHL, including both San Antonio and uh, Springfield, where he's been for the last few years as the Blues affiliate uh, head coach there in the AHL. And um, look, he's a guy that has seen lots of different levels of hockey, is typically known as someone who's really well prepared, and he's going to get a crack at this opportunity now that for a St. Louis Blues team that still has some really talented pieces in the Jordan Kairos and the Robert Thomases and Braden Shen and that group, you've seen a big step forward this year from Jake Neighbors. Uh, their top four defense, while a little bit long in the tooth, can still play, and they've gotten a pretty good year out of Binnington. I think there's some thought of, hey, as, as wonky as this season has been and inconsistent at times, maybe there's a door open for us to sneak into the playoffs in a year where we really hadn't even envisioned it. Yeah, I mean, again, one point back of the Arizona Coyotes for that final wildcard spot in the West. I think another team that might work against those, another thing that might work against those guys in the room, Frank, is the fact that, like you said, Doug Armstrong is maybe keeping more of a long-term view in mind here. Like, if they are two points out of a playoff spot come deadline time, he might just say, you know what, I'm selling what I can here. And I, I think that's likely the path that they'll go down based on the long conversation that we had on Frankly Speaking. He acknowledges that they're two to three plus years away from really being in contender mode again. So if that's the case, I think the big question is why the coaching changed today. And 
my guess would be that he wants to put in a new baseline, a new standard for this Blues team that he wasn't getting in terms of a consistency and effort level uh, from the team that he had right now under Craig Berube. And I, I will add in one more thing to sort of put a bow on the Blues conversation is I definitely think that the Jacob Verana decision and how that played out over the last few days uh, certainly didn't help Craig Berube. I think um, Doug Armstrong really wanted to see more from Jacob Verana and and see him get an opportunity and and something that Craig Berube wasn't really willing or interested in providing. Interesting. Uh, any shot you think Verana comes right back up here in the next little bit, or is that just a relationship that's broken apart? Yeah, I think the way that probably went down, being told you're put on waivers and then lingering for a little bit, it almost felt like when he got to uh, waivers on Tuesday that it was just out of pure mercy. Something certainly to keep an eye on, though, is the Blues begin the banister era. And yes, while our caption says the slide down the banister, Blues fans certainly hoping it's a, I don't know, a slide up the banister. They're, they're looking to get their team yeah, back I, in the playoffs. When I wrote the headline, I was thinking way more in terms of, hey, come on, slide down the banister here, get into the position from uh, from Springfield on down to St. Louis. Uh, not the only significant off-ice news yesterday, Frank. I will admit I am not very sharp when it comes to my American geography. When I see a headline that says the Capitals are contemplating a move to Virginia, I go, what does that mean? How far away is that? Why are we suddenly just hearing about this? Can you fill me in on the backstory of what is going on here with Ted Leonsis and the Washington Capitals and their future? Yeah, so you take a look at the rendering here that the Caps... Uh, provided this morning at their press conference in Virginia with the governor. Um, look, it, it sounds far away, but it's really not. It's somewhere between five and eight miles away from their current home in downtown D.C. And I think this is certainly uh, on the list of things that have happened uh, this season in terms of franchises and and the future and what things look like. This was right up there in terms of the list of surprises. You know, I think the Caps were pretty antsy to make some significant improvements to their arena in downtown D.C., Capital One Arena in the heart of Chinatown, really one of the most uniquely set up arenas. And so this news breaks that the Caps are having a press conference to move the uh, Wizards and the Caps over to Alexandria, Virginia. And you saw the one rendering there. It's right in the shadow of Ronald Reagan National Airport. So really not very far from downtown, but somewhat far from their season ticket holder fan base. This is definitely going to be a big change um, because the team and its core was for th almost 30 years located in Maryland. Then they went to downtown DC and now they're going to the other side of the river and going to Virginia. If that helps you from a geography perspective, it's a pretty significant move uh, when it would all be said and done. I think they were looking at sometime in 2028, but what's fascinating about this is that, there's always some political machinations behind the scenes and some levers being pulled because on the night that news broke, all of a sudden, oh, Washington, D.C. is suddenly engaged. Their mayor announces that they're going to put up $500 million toward an $800 million renovation of Capital One Arena to try and get the Caps and the Wizards to stay. There's some thought out there that this is a hardball approach by Ted Leonsis after just putting in millions of dollars in uh, in upgrades to Capital One Arena that he's really trying to strong arm the government here to get exactly what he wants, which is $600 million. I guess we'll see how it all plays out, but it sure felt like with this morning's press conference that they felt uh, pretty interested in terms of what 
the abilities would be with this new $2 billion venture in Alexandria. So is there still a little bit of politics going back and forth here or is kind of Leonsis's mind made up here with this? It's Washington. There's always politics involved, but the commissioner, Gary Bettman, was on ESPN on Tuesday night saying that the opportunities that would exist at what's called Potomac Yards in Virginia from a pure technological standpoint, the sort of new era, next era of fan engagement and experience, no matter what, uh, the site in Virginia would offer a lot more opportunity than what the Caps currently have at their disposal with the Wizards at Capital One Arena in Chinatown. Our pal Colby Cohn is watching along on the show. He chimed in with some insight saying most players actually live in Alexandria. So it's a bit of a move that makes sense from that perspective as well. Uh, we are not stopping with the off-ice headlines from around the National Hockey League. Frank, the NHL continued to announce their revamped format for the All-Star Game. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, we heard that the player draft was coming back, something we hadn't seen in quite some time. And now they're announcing some changes to the skills competition. The release was a little long-winded, and it you know goes into detailed explanations. We have that up at dailyfaceoff.com. The long and short of it is only 12 players will compete in this year's event. They will compete in the first four and they rattle them off on the website and then they cut it down to eight. Those eight compete in a shootout. They cut it down to six. They compete in a relay race and the winner, one single player will win and he will get one million dollars USD. Do you like this change by the NHL? Well, I like it because it was done apparently in conjunction with the players. Connor McDavid mm -hmm. had a huge role in what this looks like and I'd imagine that that since he was part of the process, including a couple hour-long meetings with Steve Mayer, the NHL's chief content officer, that that probably means you're going to get buy-in from him and see him compete, which is when you're going to All-Star Weekend and it's in Toronto and you have the best players in the world there, they're going to pick eight really good players to start, I would imagine, and try and garner some buy-in here. And I think when you know as a player that you're participating in all eight events potentially, or at least the first six, you're way more likely to get revved up and do it. I think what really drove players nuts about the skills competition was fastest skater. It's the first one out of the shoot. You have to go to a hundred miles an hour as fast as you can to try and put on a show. You're warmed up and then you sit for an hour until your next event. And I think that drove players crazy. So I think the fact that one, you don't have to involve all 36 or 38 all-stars, whatever it ends up being. Uh, two, the fact that there's a million bucks on the line. For some of these players, that might mean a lot. Um, and three, I think the fact that there's going to be some kind of fan engagement, since I mentioned the first eight being picked by uh, Hockey Ops and the NHLPA jointly, that the last four will be picked via fan vote, that this at least allows for some opportunity for fans to maybe see some different faces or different people involved that, um, like I said, you never know what the story is. It's only going to be, they're only going to be able to select from guys who were actually picked as all-stars. So you're not going to have a John Scott type moment in the skills competition, but nonetheless, you might get a player who's making close to league minimum this year or, or further down the, the spectrum on the pay scale where this million dollars might really mean a lot. I mean, look at, Almost any player, Frank, like even if you're Connor McDavid, I know he has a lot in endorsements and whatnot, but like your salary is 12 mil, a million dollars is still a million dollars. And yeah, you look at some of the guys who are up there in terms of points and goals this year, like 
Frank Vetrano, that dude, 3.3 million bucks this year. If he gets a shot and gets voted in, I would imagine he's going pretty hard to be like, oh, that's 25% yeah. of my salary. I can just win it in one night. Yeah, you're going to see some guys go ham. And, and speaking of ham, uh, I love some of the branding of this. I noticed they had the Cheetos NHL accuracy shooting. Just a little fun fact. Cheetos, my drunk snack of choice. So uh, I know Tyler goes for frozen vegetables that he cooks when he comes home. Uh, I'm a Cheetos guy. Yeah, the frozen veggies with a ton of butter. That is an elite drunk snack. Um, just quickly before we wrap up, I mean, you and I were both at the skills competition the last number of years. Last year, I'll be honest, Frank, it was painful. The league, it was so drawn out. I'm also hoping that with this change, and again, just kind of the 12 players being the ones competing, hopefully this thing goes a little bit quicker too. Like it should be a hard 90 to 120 minute cutoff. Yeah. That, no, I think that's perfect. 90 minutes and out. And, and more than that, I'm glad that they're not doing anything away from the rink off ice that they cut two players at the beach all of a sudden, you know, making shots in the middle of the day that, you know, it was taped hours ago. It was painful for the people in the arena that paid for a ticket to watch the skills competition to basically have like a full 15 minute segment on, on the jumbotron followed by a 15 minute ice cut. And you're like, please put us out of our misery. Uh, and of course with the draft coming back for the all-star game, maybe it'll be a bit more competitive there. It, it actually has me being somewhat excited for all-star festivities this year. So we'll see if uh, the plan Works the way the NHL intends it. Uh, all right, that is enough with the off-ice storyline. Let's go onto the ice and talk a little bit about what we saw last night with the players' room in Luke Gazdick. Players' room is delivered by DoorDash. You can make DoorDash your holiday hack this holiday season with groceries, pharmacies, and more delivered right to your door. And for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. That's all caps, NATION25. Luke Gazdick swinging by as he does almost every Wednesday. And last night, Luke, we got a chance to see Connor Bedard and Connor McDavid go head-to-head. Connor Bedard opens the scoring, and then I got a bit out of a bit of a chuckle. You could tell Connor McDavid wanted to respond a little bit in that hockey game. Uh, but what did you make of the first meeting between Connor and Connor? Yeah, it was fun, man. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people... I heard complaining about the start of the game time, first of all, just being a little later, but what a better moment and what a good, good thing for hockey to have Bedard score that early in the game. Just an absolutely vintage goal from him with that uh, release, that patented release that we've been watching him uh, shoot with. It's incredible, but you know, I know how much these guys look forward to those games and how much you circle games like this ahead of schedule on your calendar uh, I told this story on TV last night, but I remember Connor lived with me my first year, his first year, his rookie year, McDavid. And I remember how much he looked forward to the first game against Sid and how cool that was for him leading up to it. Um, I remember walking out of the rink and he was texting and I looked over and I said, who are you texting? Cause I thought I saw Sid and he goes, Oh, Sid just texted me. And I said, well, what do he say, man? And he goes, I oh, just said, good game kid, like looking forward to more battles over the future. And I was just thinking like how cool that was. I was like, that, that must be so cool for him to, to hear from him. Cause I know how much that game meant to him going into it. So as much as those two kind of downplayed the interaction before the game, like I know that that meant a lot to them. And the competitive guy that Connor is, McDavid, that is, 
when Bedard scores that goal early, you know he's turning it on and he wants to and he wants to show out as well. So it was a good showing from both of them, to be honest. I feel bad for Bedard at times just because he looks like he's on an island out there. I, I'll give it to that Hawks team. Luke Richardson's kind of instilled a good culture there. They work and they compete, but just man to man, player to player, they're just so outmatched every game. And it's kind of it's it's tough for, and disappointing to watch, especially with Bedard, because like I said, he looks like he's just a one-man show out there sometimes. Yeah, you look at the Hawks roster, Luke, and it's almost like they're dressing six guys that on any normal team might be in the AHL right now. You take Seth Jones out of the lineup last night, for instance. Tough spot to be in. So knowing Connor McDavid pretty well, do you think he returned the favor last night to Connor Bedard with a text after the game? Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rust-oleum's new custom spray five and one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks crannies edges and curves without worrying about drips runs uneven coverage or anything else custom spray five and one only from rust-oleum even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. That's actually a good call because I just remember that. And I remember how cool he thought that was, how cool I thought it was. Is also, I'm driving home in the truck and these two guys are texting each other in the passenger seat. But if he took any notes from that and how much that meant to him, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. Because I know he kind of shrugged off that question, you know, after the morning skate. I've been asked this a thousand times about if I've given him any advice. But I wouldn't be surprised behind the scenes if something like that happened. So spending some time around McDavid in his rookie year, um, watching how the media circus had sort of, you know, descended on Edmonton for, you know, especially for the start of the year. And then every moment there's a microphone jammed in his face. How do you think McDavid handled that? How do you think that at times impacted your, I don't want to say your room, but your team. And, and how do you think Bedard has handled everything to this point? Yeah, it was a gong show early, man. We had to change a lot of things, even logistically, the way we traveled. Uh, I remember going to Calgary and we had to go in a separate entrance. We always used to go through the front door of the hotel and now we were in the back shipping where, where the trucks come in and drop off their shipments. But I don't even think Connor McDavid realized it at the time, like how 
big he was. I tell this story too. I remember he asked to go to West Ed like really early. He needed like a pair of shoes. And I was like, are you sure you want to go to the mall? And we went there and within 10 minutes, it was like Bieber, kids chasing him down the mall. And he said, we're never doing that again. But uh, eventually after that, he loved to stay at home. And Frank, honestly, it was the coolest thing ever getting to hang out with him and talk hockey. I'll never forget that goal he scored versus Columbus. Uh, his first game back after his collarbone injury when he went basically 1v5 and then triple deke the goalie. And the sports center came on that night and we were hanging out in the basement. And I remember just looking over and it was like, goal of the year, this and that. And I just looked over and I said, can you walk me through this? And he kind of like explained his thought process as he picked up the puck. And he says, well, now I pick it up and I know I have two on my back and then it's now it's a one-on-two. And I, I cut to my right and I see his edge go to the left. And now I know I have him on the inside. And I just remember like thinking like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like this guy's just, he thinks the game like differently than anybody I'd ever seen or, or, you know, experienced in my career. And I, I got to witness that on a daily basis, even in practice, like his habits and the way he approaches the game was unbelievable. And to answer your question with Bedard, I've been in good contact with Taylor Hall in Chicago as well. And he has just been so impressed with how he carries himself around the room. It's the first thing he says is he's, he's always down for a chat. Halsey, like Taylor said, he said, you know, he's all, he's asking good questions, but he's always got a smile on his face and he takes it all, all in stride and it's all good, positive review coming out of Chicago. I, I think it's been outstanding to watch his answers in the media, very mature. I know people can get on him maybe about being a little too robotic, but I mean, he's still young, right? And, and I think he, he's handling it better than a lot of 18 year olds would. So I'm enjoying story time with Luke. I, I didn't, I didn't actually realize that you had McDavid live with you. How did that happen? So obviously we drafted him. And then I think the plan was for him to go move in with like a family, like uh, Matt Hendricks, um, Andrew Ferentz type, like an older guy that, that was married, had a big house and some kids and, and do that whole thing. Uh, I had lived with Taylor Hall the year before it, Taylor had a house in the West side of Edmonton. And I think Taylor ran into him at a skate in Toronto and kind of threw it out as an option was like, Hey man, if you want to come live with me and guys, like we'd love to have you. And he called me and said, would you be okay with this? Cause I think this is going to happen. We actually asked Peter Shirelli and I thought we were going to get shut down. Like, are you guys kidding? Are you guys for real? <laughs> like, and he just said, yeah, go for it. So he moved in with us. I had the eerie connection with him. We we're both former otters. Um, Connor's dad also went to the same high school as me here in Toronto at St. Mike's. So we had a couple past connections. Um, so we met his parents early and it was just, it was cool. They, the team went with it and the boys both had the upstairs. I was in the basement and to be honest, it was one of the coolest years of my life. It was something I was very thankful and grateful for. I bet that's pretty wild. Um, and then just the normal day-to-day -day stuff, like spending time hanging with, do you, do you still keep in touch? Yeah, still, still friends. I mean, I, I let him kind of do his own thing, reach out every now and then. Um, but yeah, he, he loved hockey. He's dialed into hockey. He always wanted to watch games or highlights sports center, you know, whatever it was, but he broke his collarbone that year and I, I didn't injure anything. I was just a regular healthy scratch as Ty, you can probably rem remember back to, 
So we spent a lot of time together, you know, game days with especially like the Saturday games were 8 p.m. games. So we spent a lot of time just kind of hanging out, driving to the rink, to and from the rink together and uh, shooting the breeze and talking hockey. Um, it, it was really cool. I got to form a, a, a pretty good relationship with him and uh, just kind of got to get into his mind a little bit. I loved I loved hanging with him. I love talking and uh, he couldn't do much cooking. That's the one thing I can remember. And I love to run around the kitchen and, and, uh, and whip up a storm. So I always love cooking big meals for the boys, especially day before games. We had a couple of guys that lived in the neighborhood and I would ask Connor what he wanted to eat that night and whatever it was, I would either learn how to make it, go get the ingredients and figure it out. Um, and I always made sure the fridge was stocked for those, those guys. Oh man, story time with Luke Gazdick took over. That was uh, exceptional. We had other areas we wanted to get to, but we're out of time, Luke. Dude. We'll save them for next Wednesday. Uh, the that was you were the you were the grocery stick on and off the ice. <laughs> you know it, buddy. You know it. Blue happy. guy. Blue guy. Uh, the players' room delivered by DoorDash. Luke, this was exceptional. Thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah. See you guys next week. Oh man, I, I remember I worked retail at West Edmonton Mall when I was uh, 18, 19 years old. Frank, I remember the day Connor McDavid came in when his collarbone was injured and he walked in. And I'm standing back at the store and I was just like, oh my God, that's Connor McDavid. And this store like flocked with people. It was bananas. And we saw him once at the mall, never saw him again at the mall. So then if he needs sneakers, I guess you just order them online now or? Yeah, probably. He like came in and was looking at the Blue Jays jerseys. And I was like, dude, just order them online. You don't you know what size you are, Connor. <laughs> All right, let's move along to our daily face off inbox question. Hashtag ask DFO Frank. Uh, one of the questions I was going to ask Luke about was uh, between the Ottawa Senators and the Buffalo Sabres. Neither of them are that bad that they'll finish with less than 60 points this year. But I did some research last season. We had three teams in the NHL finished with less than 60 points. It was the first time in over a decade that that has happened in an 82-game season. Do you think we'll see three teams finish with below 60 points again this season? I'm basically asking you, are San Jose, Anaheim, and Chicago going to be historically terrible, or do you think one of them will find some juice later in the season? I think Anaheim will find some juice. I'm I'm pretty concerned about the Columbus Blue Jackets, though, because I would put them in that category. I think they've got a real chance have the wheels totally fall off down the stretch uh so if i were to pick three teams to be in that category it would be san jose chicago and columbus man watching that chicago team in person last night i know their power play like you look at the number of 10 percent and you go whoo that's bad watching them in person frank like like luke said it really is connor bedard on an island and a bunch of guys just roaming around him i remember when we had that breakdown with that John it is 10 percent is like kind of impressive given that it's just him I was talking yesterday. I remember when we had John Goins on early in the year and he ran like 12 clips of Bedard like zinging it to someone and they're just like not ready for the pass at all. Um, yeah, we'll see if maybe Bedard can drag Chicago over that 60 point line. But as of right now, not looking great. Uh, let's move along to our Botano daily bets for the day. The game starts now at Botano.ca. A couple of games that i like tonight including the over between buffalo and colorado buffalo has struggled to keep pucks out of their net and play good defensive hockey kind of all season colorado coming off a high scoring affair against the calgary flames this one minus 110 i felt like this was an over that probably should be pushing the minus 130 minus 140 mark so i'm all over at six and a half at minus 110 and i'm going back to another shop prop parlay pierre engvall and jvr 
are the two players I'm eyeing up today. Pierre Engvall, not a guy you'd think of as a sniper, but he's hit this mark in six of his last seven. James Van Riemsdyk, while he hasn't been crushing it over his last 10 games or anything, he has seven shots in his last two games. I like that this number is one and a half and that his price has dropped a little bit. You play them together and you get it at plus 148 over on Botano. Check them out, botano.ca. That brings us to Garbage Time, Frank, which is brought to you by Wendy's and the Daily Face-Off Survivor Game. I'm out after day two. I'm done. I had uh, Florida to go over 29 shots. I'm cooked. Yeah, I had the uh, Yotes to beat the Pens, and that didn't work out either. So that, that'll do it. One and done again. Yeah, uh, not great for me and you, but there still are 38 people alive in the Daily Faceoff Survivor game. And uh, even if you're out like us, you can be a winner by ordering the new chicken strips and French toast sticks from Wendy's or on the Wendy's app. Frank, what do you got for garbage time? Yeah, I wanted to give some love to uh, the Flyers and their decision to have Morgan Frost's dad read the lineup card. Check this out. Have a good game. Tonight's starting lineup for the Philadelphia Flyers. On defense, number six, Travis Sanheim. On defense, number eight, Cam York. At left wing, number 71, Tyson Forster. Yeah, if that voice sounds familiar, that's uh, legendary Canadian DJ. And for 17 or 18 years, the PA announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs at Air Canada Centre, Andy Frost. He did an unreal, like, it's still hearing those pipes, being in the Air Canada Centre, listening to, he just had this way of saying, Toronto, and it just, it was unreal the way he did it. So hearing him introduce some of the flyers for the starting lineup, on their dad's trip, pretty nice touch. It's been a tough go for Morgan Frost this season. Uh, Andy Frost working back now in Winnipeg, where he was from. Uh, he spent a long time in the Toronto market and many years breaking down Leaf games pre and post on radio. So great pipes by Andy Frost and pretty awesome to see him put them to good use. Yeah, that was good. I, I love all the moments we get from uh, dad's trips around the NHL. Always tugs at your heartstrings a little bit. Uh, that is a wrap on today's edition of the show. Once again, shout out to our friends over at Botano.ca. You can get in on the NHL slate tonight at Botano. Everyone in the YouTube chat, excellent stuff. As always, hit the like button before you close your window. Frank and I will be back tomorrow. Noon Eastern chat with you then. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. 
So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.